I'm Julie. Welcome to Mom Made Plans Podcast, where we talk about the ultimate life hack of self-awareness plus intentional living. It's an empowering journey, but don't worry. I keep you humble by remembering God is in control. And I am so excited to bring you this topic today. We are talking about the Enneagram, and I'm sure most of you have heard about it. It is an incredible tool for self-awareness and awareness of others. Um, This goes way beyond just yourself and it is so helpful in knowing yourself better and others and how to interact with other people and just having more grace for others. And this has been a crucial tool for me in my self-awareness journey that really helped me so much in setting myself up for success and how I plan my days and how I interact with my kids and other people. And I'm really excited to share this tool with you and go a little bit more in depth with our amazing guest, Marta Spurk, who is going to bring us some great insight and perspective. So get ready to listen in and don't miss any of this. Here we go. Okay, everyone, we have a powerhouse guest today to talk about the Enneagram, and I am going to let her introduce herself and tell us all the things. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Marta Spurk. I'm an empowerment coach and marketing strategist, and I work primarily with women entrepreneurs, helping them with confidence uh, to increase their visibility and what I like to say, uh, realize their visibility dreams, whether it be speaking on stage, writing a book, uh, being on TV, all of the things, putting yourself out there and making an impact with your message. I am your go-to person. And one of my favorite tools that actually got me started on this coaching journey was the Enneagram. And it was something that really opened my eyes to how I operate and how the people around me operate and helped me so much with more self-acceptance um, yeah. in beating the self-criticism and all of the things that we struggle so much as women, as moms, as entrepreneurs, as people. Mm-hmm. And it's been a, a, an amazing tool for me, but also a great tool as part of my coaching and helping my clients overcome their um issues with (laughs) (laughs) self-acceptance, right? (laughs) Yes, it is a very powerful tool. So, um, I love that. And I figure at this point, a lot of people have at least heard of the Enneagram. Um, but yeah, if you guys haven't fully gone into it, we're going to do, um, a basic overview and just, it's just a tool in the self-awareness piece and it's just so helpful. Um, so before we go into specifics, can you just give us like just a brief overview of like, okay, what is the Enneagram in a nutshell? And I know it can be misused and things like that. So maybe just a brief, like how you do use it, how you're not supposed to anything like that. Yeah, sure. So the Enneagram is not a test. I think that's one of the most, uh, the biggest misconceptions because many people equate it to like Myers-Briggs or DISC assessment, uh, mm-hmm. strengths finder, things like that. And it's not a test. It's actually a framework, a personality framework in the actual way 
to um, get, get accuracy out of your type or in, in the typing process is to study all of the types. And that's yeah. not attractive for most people because they just <laughs> want to take a test. Tell me what I am. I may agree with it. I may not. And then I'll never do this with, I'll never do anything with this anymore until somebody in conversation asks me, do you know your Enneagram type? And you can just say the number, but you have no idea what it actually entails yeah. or what it means, you know? Mm-hmm. So the test is actually a starting point because truthfully, um, the idea is to study all of the nine types and then understand the nuances and see by a process of self-discovery and self-observation, which one you resonate with the most. Yeah. And I can attest to this, but yeah, the, you don't often test accurately and you get the most insight when you actually read all the. Exactly. Info. Exactly. Yeah. And then in, in, in observing other people's behaviors, you can be like, oh, you have mm-hmm. these tendencies. It's not because you're doing this out of spite to really offend me. It's because this is how you operate. And it's yeah. so different from the way that I operate. And I think my, my husband has been my, my favorite guinea pig because it's been a great way to then realize, oh, he's not doing this on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the way that he sees the world that is drastically different. Dare I say opposite <laughs> from how I see it. <laughs> But it's great because then we can, you know, play <laughs> off of our strengths and weaknesses and complement each other. Yeah. Um, so that's the main thing to keep in mind. Now, um, I, lo- I love that you mentioned it could be used improperly or um, it could be used in a negative way. And that's true for any tool, really. Mm-hmm. And I think um, there are many people in a Christian community that love the Enneagram. And then there are others that say, you're not supposed to be looking at this because it's, mm-hmm. it was actually, there are different uh, talks on how it originated. That's a medium actually received this message and wrote it all down. And then that's why sometimes Christian communities like, no, this is not good. And then others are like, no, this is not how it originated. So it's, it's actually really, really old. And um, there's no like specific record of who came up with it or what, how exactly it originated. So that that's why at times, People say, well, the origins, the origins are negative, so let's not uh, use it. But the reality of it is understanding these psychological profiles. It's actually very much tied to psychology. Mm-hmm. It's an observation of what is. It's mm-hmm. not putting anyone in a box to say, now be like this. It's right. the, this is the spectrum. This is the way people operate. And it overlaps. No one is one dimensional. You can have traits of several different types. The idea is what is the predominant one? Mm -hmm. And something else that's important to note about the Enneagram is that it has not to do with people's behaviors. It has to do with their motivations. And that's why when people are struggling with uh, figuring out what their type is, the biggest thing that I say is when you wake up in the morning, what is the first thing that motivates you to get out of bed? That's a great indication of your Enneagram type. And just for Mm -hmm. example's sake, my husband gets out of bed and he's a type one, his goal in life is to do things correctly, is to uh, fulfill his obligations. And that's not to show off to anyone. It's to be at peace with himself that he did what he was supposed to do. It's a matter of integrity. Now, when I wake up in the morning, (laughs) my main motivation is what is the next thing that I can accomplish? And mostly that people will see and give me credit for So there are different ways of waking up in the morning and going about your day. And uh, it's different for lots of people. And there are nine different ways that people do that. (laughs) So this is a great great little trick. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> awesome. Yeah. And that's, yeah, we'll get into that more. Um, I feel like my husband and I are also very opposite, but it, it allows you to have more grace for the people in your life because you have a little bit more understanding of when you can notice and pick up some things and be like, okay, maybe, maybe this is kind of where their heart is and avoiding conflict when it's not necessary and all of that. Um, and I do appreciate that it's nine different types and that we're all different. And even within the same type, there's such a wide variety. We're all unique. It's not just, I'm a type three and there's only all type threes look the same. That's not the case. And, um, I like to, um, kind of picture it as we talked on the podcast recently about spiritual gifts and like first Corinthians 12. And I feel like it, it's a similar mindset of how those are like, we're all members of a body and it's like the Enneagram is just a piece of us and we need all of them and they're all important. And one isn't better than another. It's how we all blend together and help each other. And I kind of love that picture. Yeah. If you had any thoughts, I'll let you. Oh my gosh. I love that. I like to say that that's my favorite analogy when I uh, talk to women entrepreneurs, because there's so many people that do similar things. I mean, how many photographers are there? How many financial advisors are there? How many realtors are there? How many uh, business coaches, you know? So what is the difference? The difference is one of them is helping a specific demographic or with a specific piece or even talking about photographers, right? There are several different photographers, but they have a different eye. They have a different technique. They have a different background. So all of that Mm -hmm. plays a part into it and helps us understand that even if we're doing something very, very similar, it is not the same. And I think great analogy to that is the eye does not do the same thing that the ear does, right? There, you could even group them and say they're part of the five senses. Sure. (laughs) But, you know, they're not doing the same exact thing. And there's, there's a need for each of them. So I love that imagery so much, because if we were to just remember this every single day, like, no, there's a place for me. Um, Mm -hmm. There's something specific that I'm supposed to be doing. Otherwise I wouldn't be here. Um, We would be better off. Yes. Yes. We all have a place. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So let's uh, dive in of going over what these nine types are. And I know it's a lot, but it's cool to kind of listen in to find your own if you don't know. And also just to be like, Hmm, that sounds a little like my spouse or my kid or my friend, like just kind of taking in all of them. And we all like have little pieces of them. So yeah, when you, when we go over this, don't just brush over of like, Oh, I know that's not my type. Like, yeah, I encourage you to like, listen in and gain some understanding. So I'm going to let you take the lead on this and just give us that overview of what these nine types are. And, um, maybe we can also just point on, I know there's within the nine types, there's kind of your healthy state and your like stress state. And I know me learning about what the stress state looks like helped me so much. So I'm going to be biased here and make sure we like pinpoint that. Cause I think it helped affirm so much for me and like eye opening. Definitely. Yeah. And one thing that I wanted to say is 
in understanding that nine types can seem overwhelming for people through the years uh, in, in introducing this to clients and seeing that not everyone was, was excited, as excited as I was and being like, what's wrong with you people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Typical three. Um, I, uh, I actually developed a quiz that uh, narrows it down to three different types because there are different mm-hmm. ways of grouping the nine types based on some similarities and commonalities that they have. And one of the ways that they can be grouped is based on their stance, which is their main outlook in life. And there are three stances and then three types within each of these stances. So I think what I'll do is I'll talk about three of the types within each stance, and then I can pause after each, and then you can kind of give me your feedback and and tell me what you think. So the, the three stances are the dependent stance, the withdrawn stance, and the aggressive stance. And within those three, I developed the names feelers, thinkers, and doers. So the feelers are the ones that um, are very reliable people. So general overview of these three types inside the feelers are the the ones that have perfectionist tendencies, the ones that have more of a selfless tendency. They are naturally interested in helping people and interested in people more so than in showing off who they are. So that's why they have this dependent stance is because they look outside of themselves to see where can I meet a need? Where can I fix? How can I be of support or how can I provide security in this space? So these three uh, types within the feelers are type one, two, and six. So I'll describe the, the three types and talk about kind of like the caveat of being a feeler because it's great, right? Your attention to detail, your very reliable integrity is your number one thing. But then there's the downside of uh, struggling with taking risks, struggling um, to really voice your opinion at times and being very, very concerned about safety. So type ones are also called, and there are several schools of thought on this too, that they say, don't use names because then you stereotype the names, uh, the types, just use the numbers. But then for somebody that doesn't understand the Enneagram, it's kind of hard to be like, what is a one if there's no kind of like label attached to it, but not in a negative way, just to really set them apart. So the one is, uh, could either be called the the reformist, the reformer or the perfectionist. And the reason being attention to detail, everything has to be in its correct spot. Majority of type ones tend to go into numbers, um, think engineers, electricians, uh, architects, people that are really need to be reliable in making something that's not going to fall apart. And I always like to joke and say, you wouldn't want to walk on or under a bridge that I built because I have no attention to detail. I'm about taking action, moving things forward. But my husband, on the other hand, he's the one because he's an electrician, but you don't, you don't want somebody that's not attention to detail messing with your electrical. Um, so that's type one. And the, and the hard thing with type ones is because they're overly critical of themselves mm-hmm. and that trickles into being overly critical of people. And one of my, the favorite things that my husband says that I think sums it up beautifully is he says, I'm not being critical. I'm just telling you how you could do better. <laughs> but depending on who's receiving that, it sounds extremely judgmental and critical, but yeah. in his mind, it's, I'm genuinely pointing out your flaws to help you. Yeah. So and that I feel like is so important to know so that you're not constantly offended by that person. This exactly. can change a relationship. Drastically. <laughs> it's a tough task. I'll tell you. Um, so that's type one. So in remembering that even if they seem critical, that voice it's inside of their heads, criticizing themselves as well. So it's not like they yeah. think they're superior, which they may as well. 
because they're so attention to detail, but they are very um, judgmental on themselves too. So that's why it, it seems so loud outside. It's because it's even louder inside. So mm. show some sympathy <laughs> to the ones. <laughs> so type twos are the helpers and it's pretty self-explanatory. They are extremely selfless. And this is a characteristic that ones carry as well. Um, but twos, they can foresee a need before anyone ever speaks. They already know, like you're about to sit down. There's no chair underneath you. Twos will run across the room to put a chair under your butt. That's what they do. They will drop everything to help somebody else, which is a great quality to have, but it could get overbearing. Think a mom that meddles in their adult kids' lives, right? That's the tip, the stereotype of a two. Like, did you brush your teeth? <laughs> you know, did you pack your lunch? And it's like, I'm living on my own now, mom. I'll be okay. But there's people that behave like this just throughout life. And those are the twos. So great characteristics to have, but it could become overbearing and also bitter and resentful for them because they do all these things for people. And then they expect something in return. They expect, you know, when it's my turn, when is it my turn? And you have to create your own turn. And that's something that the twos can learn from some of the other types that are more on the selfish spectrum. Um, (laughs) And then finally, type six that also fall under the feeler umbrella or this dependent stance. They're also um, called the loyalists again. So it's so interesting how they're all very similar because they are loyal to a fault at times. So very dependable people, people that like to always think about the worst case scenario in any situation. So when you think, think about this team, you got, you know, a, a, an engineer you got this person that does everything for everybody else. And then you have this person that's assessing all the risks. Like that's an amazing team for things to run smoothly. (laughs) You know, it's true. But there's the downfall of they really struggle with taking risks and that's life, right? You choose to get married, risk, wake up in the morning, risk, go to work, risk, quit your job, risk. And that's just a nightmare for sixes because they don't want to really um, explore the unknown, not that's not their favorite thing, but life is full of risk. So that's something that they struggle with and that they can really use the help of the other types um, in terms of. So that's, those are the feelers. Now moving on to the next three types. And I don't know if you want to make any comments on that before I move on. (laughs) I was just going to say, yeah, I think that um, that's so fascinating. And for a six, I feel like they're also known to have a lot of anxiety. Is that true? Just because they're always like worried. And I feel like anxiety is a plague right now, but yeah, <laughs> for those oh, yeah. of you maybe feeling overly anxious all the time, mm-hmm. maybe look into this one a little bit more. Yeah, totally. No, a lot of anxiety. Why? Cause they're always thinking of the worst, yeah. which means, um, they mostly live in the future because they're already preparing for the worst. And ones do that as well because they're looking mm-hmm. for the mistakes, but it's a little bit of a nuance of when you look at a situation and this is a great way of setting yourself apart in terms of when you look at a challenge or a problem that you're facing, sixes are already looking for what could go wrong, which you would think, my gosh, this is such a negative, pessimistic way of looking at life. But then they would say, it's a realistic way. Many things could go wrong. So let me prepare for that. <laughs> but then you got the sevens that would come in and say, that's awful. Get out of this. Let's, let's expect the best at all times. But we'll get to sevens in a minute. So those are the feelers. Now, thinkers, in general terms, they exemplify the uh, types that are your stereotypical artist. 
the creatives, the people that are more introverted, that love just being by themselves, reading a book. They could just, uh, you know, I, I like to say that their, their favorite, their favorite place is their mind. Their mind is their playground. And the hard part about all of that is exteriorizing these things don't come as naturally because they fear rejection. They fear interacting and engaging outside of their minds and having people realize that they're very eccentric, that they're different, that they don't really fit in. So when you think of, of an artist just lost in, its, in, in their creation, that's really the thinker's mind and the thinker's world. Uh, so thinkers are type four, five, and nine. So type four is really that artist embodied, very, very creative, um, very observant of details. And the name for uh, the force um, is in the individualist. So when you think of romanticism back in the day or, you know, the, the era of arts, that's what represents the four because it's very eccentric, very unique uh, and they pride themselves in not being understood. It's double-edged sword because they want to be understood, right? Because they mm -hmm. want people to see them, but they also don't want people to label them, uh, or they don't want to be seen. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird dynamic there. Yeah. Type fives are the investigators. So those are the 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 scientists of the bunch. So you have the creatives in terms of art with the fours, the 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 fives have a lot to do with science and data and studying. So when you think of somebody that loves studying and is introverted, they're most likely a five. They want to know all the details. They want to be prepared for everything. And they usually stay stuck. So lots of types, four and fives, they don't take a whole lot of action because they always want to be overly prepared. So some similarities with the six, because the six... Uh, the sixes don't want to take risks and they want to be prepared for the worst. But for the fives, it's a lot more about the knowledge. It's more about the knowledge than avoiding risk. So it's a little bit of a nuance there. And the nines um, are called the peacemakers. So those are the ones that tend to be like Switzerland. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to, uh, they avoid confrontation at all costs. And all of the types, and I forgot to mention this as I was going through, I've also identified the, the major like childhood wounds or um, trauma that may have initiated in childhood that nurtured this personality type. And for the nines, oftentimes they may have witnessed uh, arguments at home and they never wanted to take sides. They almost wanted to pretend like it was not there. And this is something that they carry throughout life, kind of like an avoidance and denial of conflict because they don't want to pick sides and they don't want to engage, which means, yes, they create harmony and they create a safe space, but they also struggle to voice their opinion. They struggle to speak up and say, no, this is not right. And I'm going to side with this person because they are afraid of the rejection of the other side. So there's a huge component of fear of rejection for all of these three types, the thinkers. So that's what I got for these ones. Let me know if you want to comment on it. <laughs> no, this is all fascinating in this. I love how you've grouped them together. And yeah, I, I will say I've always, um, I feel like I even understand more of the sixes, but I feel like a four is the one when I've looked into the Enneagram, mm -hmm. I could never like understand as much, but it's so fascinating because interesting, like 
recently, cause I'm a three and so there's wings. And so yeah. you go in the two and four and I always thought I was a wing two. And recently I'm like, Oh, actually, I think I'm, I'm definitely on the four side. And so it's so interesting to have that, but I'm like, I can never like put my finger on what exactly that is, but I think it makes sense. Cause they are very like back and forth of like conflicting with themselves all the time yeah. with that, like being seen. It so it was depends very on the situation too and how you react. But one of the things that I've observed in terms of the wings, and for those of you who don't know what the wings are, they are the numbers that are next to your type. So let's imagine you're a type one, you could either have a nine wing or a two wing. And usually the two sides represent a more introverted side and a more extroverted side. So for a type mm-hmm. three, the two would be more extroverted as a two wing and the four would be a more introverted. So if you're a three, but you have more introverted tendencies, you most likely have a four wing. And something else that I feel like was super helpful for me to start understanding the nuances of the types is to look at like your favorite, favorite celebrities or people that you know, or even if it's not your favorite, but you have seen their behavior in the public eye and then go look at their Enneagram type. Some of these are just assumptions of people that you know, really love the Enneagram and have decided that, but I feel like that's been helpful. So one of the ones that really helped me see was, uh, seeing that Michael Jackson was a four wing three. So that to me makes such perfect sense because even though he was extremely popular, extremely, uh, I don't know, all over, he was more withdrawn. He wasn't your typical, you know, like Jennifer Lopez, (laughs) just Mm -hmm. go everywhere, be everywhere. He liked to keep to himself but he had a brilliant mind, a brilliant creative mind. So that makes a lot of sense. So the popularity with the three, I mean, performer extraordinaire with the three, but the creative side. And I mean, when you watch documentaries and things that they would say that he had his finger in every single component of everything that he did, that's such a four (laughs) because (laughs) very um, detail artistry, you know? So that's, that's another tip too. Like pick your perf your, your favorite person, go look at Tony Robbins or whoever it is that you admire. And then that could give you some great insight into their types and maybe your type too, if you're familiar, if you're similar. Okay. So moving on to the doers, doers are uh, action takers as the name implies. Lots of people, when I put these labels, they're like, Oh, I am a doer. Cause I take lots of action, but that's not just it. <laughs> it's not just the action taking. Cause many people, feelers and thinkers that are, uh, in a healthier space and in the growth space, they can be action takers, takers as well. So it's different with doers. It's about, um, really filling a void that they have created inside themselves. And again, we can speak to childhood wounds, right? Uh, lack of nurturing or something that they heard or, or made them think that they weren't enough, that they needed to accomplish something to be seen and to matter and to receive love that has a lot to do with, with the doers. Um, Many people look at doers and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel like there's more than 24 hours in your day, or you have so much energy, or when do you sleep? And the fact of the matter is they're built differently because they're built to perform. I like to, uh, I was actually thinking about an an analogy for the three types not too long ago and saying that the feelers are more of like the coaches. So think like a sport. The feelers are like the coaches, the thinkers could be maybe the doctors, the physicians that go and see what's wrong. And, you know, because there's such attention to detail, but no one actually knows who the doctors are. They're not in the, in the public eye. Nobody's looking at them. They're just fixing what needs fixed, you know, but mm-hmm. then you have the athlete who's the freaking star that everybody knows that takes all the punches and that they're on a mission. Those are the doers <laughs> that everybody <laughs> see, but there's a team behind them. 
Right. Yeah. So, um, so the downfall really for the doers is, um, feeling like they're not enough and moving on to the next thing. So they don't even take the time to enjoy what it is that they just got done doing because what's next. And in case that wasn't up to their expectations, maybe no one will notice that it wasn't that great. So I can move on to something else <laughs> and it'd be amazing, you know? So that's the doers. So type threes are, uh, the achievers or overachievers <laughs> and it really embodies this side of, <clears throat> I want to overcompensate by my rejection of myself, because that's really what it is, by doing a lot and seeing if people approve of, of me more. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter how many compliments you get. If you don't recognize yourself, it's never going to be enough. And that's why they keep on doing and doing and doing. Um, so those, uh, the majority of, you know, great, great performers and artists and people in the public eye tend to be threes or at least have a three wing because they are supposed to be in the spotlight. That's what they're built for. Then type sevens are the enthusiasts, which uh, is a type that really prioritizes fun. So threes and sevens have a lot in common. And for a while, I thought that I was a seven. Uh, because I really prioritize fun. So that's when I use my little exercise. When I wake up in the morning, what is my main motivation? Is it to do something else that's fun? Or is it really to accomplish something big and be recognized for it? Oh yeah, that one trumps 100% the fun. Like I want to have fun while I'm doing it, but I will sacrifice the fun for the recognition any day. <laughs> you know, so that's when you know, like, okay, what would I sacrifice? Okay, yeah. then that's definitely not your type. That's a great way to think about it. Love it. Right. So the, the sevens are all about the fun, which means they tend to not follow through with things because once they're done and they're bored, they're moving on to something else. And type threes, they can stick it out a little longer if they're really, if they got their eyes on the prize. Sevens, not so much. <laughs> so if it's somebody that's kind of restless, it's probably a seven. And the reason being they, they can't sit with negative emotions. They have a really hard time processing emotions. And when you think about the, these, this, the, these three types, they struggle with feelings. That's why they're not the feelers. It's almost like they suppress their feelings and even other people's feelings because they're constantly on a mission for something. What's next? What's next? What's next? Whereas the other types can sit there with their thoughts, can sit there with their feelings for ages, but they need a doer to kind of pull them out and be like, all right, now it's time to actually do something with all that stuff that's inside of you, you know? <laughs> so we really complement each other. And finally, the eights are the challengers. Majority of leaders, uh, when you think presidents, uh, emperors, Napoleon um, from France, he was a type eight uh, and, and several of former presidents were type eights as well. And the reason being is that they like being in the public eye. They like being leaders, but the difference is they um, really have no filter. Whereas sevens and, and threes, they may uh, be able to kind of set their own opinions aside because of how they will look. Eights don't really care. So if you know somebody that speaks their mind and ones are a lot like this too, but eights more in the front leading position. And when you think about it, that's really what it takes to be a leader is to say, I love you. I don't care what you think. We're moving forward, you know, <laughs> uh, and speaking out and saying that, because you may think that, but you may not say that. And that's where, and that's why eight, eights are called challengers. And a lot of it, when you think childhood, eights most likely were children that believed they needed, or they maybe were told at times that they needed to be 
grow up faster and be the adult faster, whether it be as an older sibling or because the parents weren't very present. So they had to grow up faster and take on that stance of being a leader and an adult because showing weakness most likely meant that they were going to be rejected or disapproved of. So when you think about a leader, it it comes into play, but then a healthy leader is a leader that gets to listen to people and take in Mm -hmm. their opinions and and then make decisions based off of that. So different nuances of that as well. Yeah. And we're done. That was (laughs) so much. That is so, it's so fascinating though. There's so many nuances to all of this, but this was a cool way just to kind of view them in these groups of three and going through everything. Um, yeah, I just think it's so helpful. So I challenge you guys to keep digging in more if you want to, um, hear more. And I, I will say one thing, um, cause like I mentioned before, knowing how I think it is key to look into whatever number you are and like in the healthier level or in the less healthy level, just meaning whether you go to the better sides of that trade or whatever, looking into those. Um, cause that's where like my personal encounter with Enneagram really, um, gave me much more depth was that I'm a three and I am very motivated and driven. Um, and there's times though, where I'm just like shut down, apathetic, like don't care. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, Mm -hmm. I am so self-motivated. Like what is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And so when I learned more into the Enneagram and seeing like in stress, it goes to like an unhealthy nine and that whole thing. And I was like, Oh, like I'm not completely broken. (laughs) And it just gave me so much insight and helped me to see, like, I can notice it more now when I start to go that way. I'm like, Oh, apparently I'm a little stressed out and didn't realize it. Um, so yeah, I think that's so helpful. It is. And that's when you see that all the types are connected. So when you think about the three types that I shared, um, a three is a doer when in, in a, in a stressed state, uh, or under pressure, they tend to go more into a thinker, which means staying a lot in your head not taking action, being more lethargic. When they're in a healthier space, they tend to be more of a feeler, which is really what doers need. They need to sit down and feel and allow themselves Mm -hmm. to feel those uncomfortable feelings and realize that they're not broken. Just like what you said, we are human beings and we're supposed to sit and feel and not just do things, right? So understanding, and, and they're different for each of the types. Not all of them are, you know, healthy, like for the doers, not all of them are a healthy feeler or unhealthy thinker it really changes on that, but it's really helpful to then, uh, get to know the other types as well. Cause you need to know them to understand yourself too. Yeah. Yeah. It's so helpful. Um, so yeah, hopefully this guy's gate, this gave you a, um, insight into just kind of some views of the Enneagram and just how helpful it can be as a tool. And it is so empowering when you learn these things about yourself and others, and you can be like, you just have this level of self-awareness and interacting with others. And it just feels so good that you're like, okay, I understand this greater level of understanding, um, and that empowerment vibe. And so I wanted to transition for a minute, um, because on that topic of 
feeling empowered. That is your jam and the title of a book that you wrote, the empowered woman. Um, and you've utilized Enneagram in that. And I would just love for you to take a few minutes to tell us about this book, why you wrote it, what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. So the book really follows the framework that I use in my coaching and in my own personal journey. And it starts with the Enneagram. So I outline five steps to empowerment and it starts with noticing yourself. How do you notice yourself or how do you come to love somebody that you don't know? Uh, And I always like to use the example that uh, you may meet somebody and at first not really, you know, they rub you the wrong way uh, or they don't, you don't even think that they're attractive, but as you get to know them, it's almost like their face changes and they start growing on you. And what happened is just, you got to know them and then you, be, you uh, fell in love with them and you started liking them more. And this is really what I want for every woman out there is to go through this process with themselves, start understanding yourself more so you can love yourself more. It really, that's really what it takes to accept something is to get to know it more. And so starting with the Enneagram on the first step, the second step is listen to yourself. So we take that a a little bit further into what is the self-talk like? So I outlined the the self-talk for each of the types because everybody struggles with imposter syndrome. Everybody, you know, struggles with feelings of rejection or fear of failure, but there's nuances to that based on your Enneagram type. And it's so interesting to look at it and be like, oh my gosh, I do say this to myself a lot. This is the underlying theme of my fears. It's this thing. So we go into that to, so you become more aware of those thoughts and uh, learn to curb them and be like, I appreciate you uh, brain for reminding me of this, but that's not the truth. So that's step two. Step three is forgive, forgive yourself, which is really the, one of the most important steps, honestly, is because um, once you shed light on all of this, the temptation is to beat yourself up and say, I'm a terrible human being because this entire time I've been acting like this. How can my fa- friends and family embrace me and love me? And then you start understanding, well, and so are they, they're acting a certain way too, but I still love them. Yeah. <laughs> so they're doing the same thing for me. Now I can love myself. I get to love myself because I'm seeing this myself, you know? So that's the forgiveness step. And the uh, fourth step is empower yourself, which is then reminding yourself of the great things you've already accomplished uh, based on your strengths. Because the beautiful thing about the Enneagram is that it really shows you that your strengths can be your weaknesses and that your weaknesses can be your strengths. It's all a matter of awareness and a matter of how you're utilizing them and being unaware means it's most likely going to become a weakness, right? Uh, And then finally, transform yourself is really the culmination of everything and understanding that if you set a goal to make changes into the way you operate before all these steps, it's probably going to be to turn into somebody completely different. But after going through all these steps, you understand I can only be who I am. And now I know who that is a little bit more. So I get to transform myself into a more self-accepting and self-loving version of myself. So that's, those are the five steps in the book. And, um, it's really for anyone. Many men have read it and have said, you know, this is not just for women and it's geared towards women entrepreneurs. But again, because of the personal development nature of it, it's really helpful for anyone in any kind of career path. Yeah. That is such a powerful journey to go on. And that's part of this podcast is we're all about intentional living here, but you have to have the self-awareness piece. And that's why I kind of group them together because you have to be aware, more aware of yourself and what your tendencies are and what triggers you and what you love and all those things to be more intentional and empowered moving forward and what you want to do. So 
Yes. I love, I love all of that. Um, yeah. So just as we wrap up, um, just thinking through all of this, um, the tool of the Enneagram and with most of us being moms here, um, I will say, I just wanted to share kind of some like experience of where this awareness has helped me as a mom, because this is part of the, the piece you gain these insights into your, into your Enneagram type and different self-awareness pieces. And then okay, what does that look like in my day-to-day life? And I noticed, um, one of my big things is I'm not good at being interrupted when Mm -hmm. I am like in thought or in work, like there's scenarios where it's fine, like doesn't bother me, but if I'm like deep in thought, writing a text message or like doing work, um, pretty much any work, <laughs> but like in an email or like trying to do some things thinking or, or even for fun, like I can get really sucked into a movie and I'm like in it. And mm-hmm. if you interrupt me, like I'm angry, <laughs> like immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just this whole concept of like noticing yourself. Yeah. And I use that word too. And I love that you said that it's just paying attention. So I've noticed this mm-hmm. and so like, if I need to do an email or text someone or know there's going to be a movie, I'm going to be sucked into like yeah. not to plan that around a time where like my kids are currently acting crazy or mm-hmm. they're about, to, I'm like, Oh, can I cram in this one thing when the kids are going to be home from school in 10 minutes, but I know it's going to take me like 30 yeah. minutes oh my gosh, that's like, such a thing to do <laughs> <laughs> overestimating or underestimating how much time you have. Well, that's yes. <laughs> so I just wanted to share, like, this is my example, but for you guys, um, to think through, like, because I have this awareness of myself, I'm going to be like, okay, I should not try and do this email right now. Um, and yeah, just to know, set yourself up for success. Yeah, so totally. Yeah. And it starts with that self-awareness and it's not overnight. And then we're going to beat ourselves up, right? You know, this, and you're probably still going to put yourself in situations that you shouldn't. And that's okay. Cause it's, it's a journey and we're learning and we can do better. There's always tomorrow is a new day. <laughs> yes, for sure. Plenty of grace. Um, but yeah, so just use this, um, and help doing that noticing step and setting yourself up for success. Um, so yeah, is there anything else you want to share? Please tell us where we can find you, um, where we can buy the book, all of those details before we go. I would love to share the quiz. So uh, people can find the Enneagram test. And in my book, I have a link for an actual Enneagram test, free Enneagram test that you can take. But if you want to just take baby steps and look into the three types that I described, feelers, thinkers, and doers, you can just go to my website, marchesburg.com and click the the top bar to take the quiz or martasburg.com forward slash quiz takes you directly there. Um, you can buy my book on my website or it's on Amazon. There's a Kindle version. There's also the audible that I recorded recently. So that's a fun way of uh, consuming the content without having to sit down and read and being interrupted (laughs) because you can rewind (laughs) it. That's a good one for, for doers that are always on the go. Um, and I think that's about it. I do have my podcast too, the empowered woman, everything empowered woman out there. And I'd love for people to connect with me and let me know what their types are. And if they have any questions. Awesome. I will put all that in the show notes for you guys. Thank you so much. This has been amazing just to go over all this. I really appreciate all your insight and sharing all this goodness. Thanks for having me. I could geek out on this hour. So I love it. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I pray this episode gave you new insights and encouragement. Now there's no like button on podcasts. 
so it means literally everything if you scroll down and take a moment to leave a review. And don't forget to bless your fellow moms and friends with these takeaways by sharing on social and of course tag me so I can see what's helping you. And as always, check the show notes for any helpful resources that I mention. All right, go check some boxes.